Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday night. It's time for Friends in Fiction, so let's get rolling. You'll notice we're short a peach tonight because <laughs> Patty is visiting her daughter and family in Hawaii. But no worries because Meg is sitting in the peach seat tonight. And by the way, I'm Mary Kay Andrews. <laughs> I'm Christy Whitson Harvey. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Meg Walker. And this is Friends in Fiction for New York, for New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, we're going to be welcoming Lori Rader Day, author of The Death of Us. But first, just a reminder to check out all the fun things going on in our Friends in Fiction community at friendsinfiction.com. There, you'll find links to our bookshop.org page where our books and books from our guests, including Lori, are available at a discount to the Friends in Fiction official book club with Brenda and Lisa, and also our weekly email newsletter sign up. Make sure you sign up for that, by the way. Mm-hmm. You'll also find a link to our Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast, a new episode of which drops each Friday. On last Friday's episode, Ron and Meg talked to Lola Akinmade Okerstrom about everything is not enough. And coming this Friday, Ron and Kristen will be talking with William Kent Kruger about the river we remember. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find details and links on our website at friendsandfiction.com. Now, over on the book club's Facebook page, the group is reading Bright Lights, Big Christmas, the latest. Right. I know. Excellent choice, book club. It is the (laughs) latest New York Times bestseller from our very own Mary Kay Andrews. And of course, you can join them for that discussion on Monday, November 20th. So Mary Kay Andrews will be there for that discussion and will be taking your questions. And please also remember not to miss their Friendsgiving celebration on Thursday, November 16th. Wow, so many great things, fun things going on. But now, without further ado, let's welcome Lori Rader Day. Lori is the Edgar Award-nominated and Agatha Anthony and Mary Higgins Clark award-winning author of several novels, including Under a Dark Sky, Little Pretty Things, and The Black Hour. Her work has also been nominated for the Thriller, McCavity, Barry, and Lefty Awards. Lori's short fiction has been previously published in Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine, Time Out Chicago, Crab Orchard Review, Freight Stories, and in the anthologies Dia de los Muertos, Unloaded 2, and Murder a Go-Go's. <laughs> <laughs> Lori lives in Chicago, where she's the co-chair of the Mystery Readers Festival Midwest Mystery Conference. And in 2019-2020, she served as the national president of Sisters in Crime. Lori also teaches creative writing for Northwestern University's School of Professional Studies. Her new novel, The Death of Us, was just released earlier this month. Sean, can you bring Lori on? Hi, Lori. Hi, Lori. Hi, Hi everybody. Welcome. welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. 
Okay, Lori, we're going to we're gonna get right to it. The flap copy for The Death of Us calls it, appropriately, a chilling suspense, suspense novel in which the discovery of a submerged car in a murky pond reveals betrayals and family secrets that will tear a small town apart. But we would love it if you would tell us what you think the book is really about. Okay. Well, uh, I think it's about family. Uh, at the beginning of The Death of Us, we have uh, Lisette, Liz for short, who is a mother and a wife, and she works at her son Callan's school. Um, but the origin story of their family is uh, is not normal. Everything's Everything looks normal from the outside, but it, it was not a normal beginning for them. So uh, 15 years ago, uh, Lisette opened her front door to the house that she shared with her husband, Link. And standing in the rain is the rival for her husband's affections, Ashley. And Ashley is holding the baby that Ashley and Link have had together. Uh, and she hands over the baby and, you know, uh, says, you know, watch him for an hour, but she never returns. So um, what you have is a, a father, his child, and a stepmother, ostensibly, except that Lisette has raised Callan as her own ever since. Um, the book actually picks up on the night that a submerged car is found on their land. And so there are a lot of questions about at first, who's in the car? Um, how did they get there? And what happened that rainy night? Wow. Well, I, I know it's it, uh, so, so much to dig into and it's so fascinating. So it, it seems to me, especially with just the, the things you just uh, talked about, that this novel is such a nuanced look at nature versus nurture, mothering and sons mm -hmm. and mothers in general. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I am not a mother. I, I am the mother of a dog, you know, not the same thing. Um, <laughs> but I had a great mother. I have a great mother. And uh, my sister is the mother of twin girls. She's in the battle for it. She, they're 15. So oh she's in the thick of things. Um, and and uh, most of my friends are mothers. It's just something that I felt was, um, you know, something that it was a universal. It made uh, that connection to the reader so much more instant if it's if the story is about a mother dealing with a teenage teenage son um, but it's of course complicated in that she is she is his mother but also not his mother and she's also a wife but not quite because she and Link are having trouble and so uh, the marriage is in is in straits and she's also had this like little flirtation fling with somebody and so he's in the mix it's it's all sort of these half measures, these half this half life that she's leading. Um, but I wanted to talk about family and how the many, many ways that family is built or created. Absolutely, and and all the complicated ways that women exist in the world too. I mean, just the the, the complicated roles we play. It sounds like. Uh, for sure. I mean, we all know. <laughs> I love the idea of a half life. That's so interesting because yeah. that is true. I mean, I think. So often, yeah, know, are not necessarily living the life that they seem to be living, or kind of going through the motions. I think it was yeah. it was interesting. It was really an interesting choice to have her child be a fifteen year old boy. And Meg, <laughs> Meg, and I have gone through that. Having, 
having sons on the cusps of everything where the sense of anxiety and dread. <laughs> I think you uh -oh. captured that so beautifully, Lori. Thank you. Thank you so much. Did you talk uh, to I mean, your I always mom strive to make sure. I, I talk to my mom friends all the time about parenting, right? Like that's what we talk yeah. about. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm interested, even though I don't have children of my own, I'm interested in, because that's the most important thing to them. And so therefore it is what I want to hear about from them. That's awesome. Oh, I love like that. Wonderful friends. Yes. <laughs> well, since I'm sitting in Patty's chair tonight, I'm going to ask Patty's favorite question, which is love to hear about origin stories on this show. So can you tell us a little bit about where the original idea and inspiration came for the plot and the setting and the atmosphere and the death of us? Sure. I also love an origin story. So if I was sitting in one of those chairs, that's exactly what I would ask every single person who showed up. I love it. Um, I, it's also why I can't read um, series books out of order because I need to know, like, how did this get started? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, the original idea for The Death of Us came from a flight. I was flying home from Minneapolis. I think I had done some events and uh, writer's retreat with some friends in Minneapolis and I was flying home. And I looked out the window and it was a clear, beautiful day. So I could look out and see the ground way below. And even way up in the air, I could look down and see very clearly a quarry. And the quarry had water in the bottom of it. So I have since learned that quarries, um, when they're functional, they pump the water out. But the second it's not functional, if it's been uh, left to go natural, it will start to fill with water. So what I was seeing was maybe a, a quarry that was no longer in service. Anyway, I looked down and I thought, and this is this is where maybe the mystery, the crime writer in me is gonna um, be a little different than uh, maybe what you guys write. Um, what I thought was, I bet there are a lot of dead people <laughs> in bodies of water like that. I love it. I bet, I bet there are. And and what I have found since is yes, it's it's true. Um, there there are, and it's very possible there are many more oh, missing persons whoa. who have never been found. Oh, it's gosh. yeah, it's not not a good not a good moment. But that's that's how mystery writers have to think. They have to look at something that is perfectly normal and then twist it to find <laughs> um, a story to tell. Um, at the same time, I was thinking about, I don't know if I heard this after or um, I had the idea or if I'd already heard it, that there was a story about a woman who had gone missing. Um, she and her car were both missing. They thought, oh, she's driven off. Or um, actually, her boyfriend or husband was convicted in her disappearance. They had no um, proof that she was dead. There was no body, but um, he was in jail, except... The story was about how they had located her car in a body of water, and it was very obvious that she was actually the victim of an accident. So there was a person in jail oh, for something that was wow. an accident, and it and oh. you know this is um, what really interested me about this story and why I worked some of the elements into the novel was the idea of this this narrative that we we sort of joke about almost in true crime. It's always the husband. It's always the boyfriend. 98% of the time, it is someone who is close to, uh, to someone, you know, the wife, the girlfriend, it's, it's true. But um, that narrative leaping away from what we can know, that was interesting to me. So I wanted to weave some of those elements into the death of us. 
I love that. Very interesting. Yeah, I love that. Like, wonder how many dead bodies are in the body. <laughs> so many. <clears throat> Although I'm not a crime writer, I'm just like really paranoid. So I probably would have thought the same thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> your worst case scenario type person. Yeah, yeah. I love the stuff about the limestone, and you have, um, you have uh, Mercer talking about we're literally walking on bones. Would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so I did a little bit of research for this book, not as much as I have had to do for certain books. Um, this being a contemporary, my last one was a historical, so I had to dip into a lot of research there. Um, about where I wanted to set it, I write mostly about uh, Midwest settings. And so I wanted it to be in the Midwest. Well, one of the kinds of quarry that you can have in the Midwest would be a limestone quarry. There's a thread a seam of limestone that runs through uh, southern Indiana, southern Illinois, um, both states that I have lived in or do live in. And so I sort of cavalierly decided it was a limestone quarry and then started doing research and thought, well, this is really interesting. Uh, limestone is made from, you know, the organic material of, of long ago little sea creatures um, like, you know, when the Midwest was an inland sea. And so he, uh, Mercer has the chance to kind of think a little bit about um, limestone as bones. And here he is, of course, dealing with a, a murder um, uh, investigation where they've found some bones in the water. And uh, he also talks a little bit about how the limestone that they have dug out of this place has gone to, uh, you know, to build like, you know, cathedrals and, of learning and cathedral, actual cathedrals and the Empire State Building, for instance. And, yeah. um, but it's taken out of this very low key, small town community where people will never go to these big buildings or never go to these cities or never go to these colleges. And um, that's actually probably the first um, bit of that story that I wrote, strangely. It just, oh. like, it was, something I was researching and I started writing and um, yeah, that's where it all started. Oh, wow. so creatures. <laughs> well, for the writers and even the non-writers out there, when you discussed your writing rituals in our newsletter Q and A, I was very intrigued to learn that you read and reread books about the craft of writing. Um, and you mentioned, especially Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird. So you said that you do this as a daily inspiration before beginning your own writing. So can you tell us more about that practice? Sure. Um, this is sort of something that I came to very recently. It's not something I've, I, this is my seventh book and I just figured out just now how to make it a little easier on myself. <laughs> oh, tell us. Once I'm, yeah, please. <laughs> I'll, tell you. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> um, so it's once I'm writing, I feel like I want to be there and I want to stay there. Usually I can get in and stay in. It's getting to the page, getting sure. to the point where you open the document and that's the thing you're going to put your attention to, you know, so many other things pulling your attention. Um, it's, it's like getting not on just things treadmill. Getting well, on this, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, like starting the thing. Instead of um, procrastinating and distracting yourself, I don't want to give all credit to things that pull your attention up. Sometimes your attention wants to be pulled in other directions. And so I was having a little trouble getting to the page and I decided to reread 
uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, which is one of my favorite books ever and definitely my favorite craft book. I think I've read it eight or nine times. I actually did look up on Goodreads to see how many times I had said I reread it, but I know that I figured out how to do the reread on Goodreads after I had changed the date a couple of times. So probably more than that. <laughs> and I, it just feels like talking to an old friend at this point. Mm. But every time I read it, I, I see something else that I understand better now that I'm deeper into my writing journey and my career. Um, so I always get something new out of it. But I also noticed that when I was reading, rereading the book, I would get this little itch and I always do this little, this little itch that I want to be writing, not that I should be writing, not that I have a deadline, but that I want to be writing, that mm. it would actually be a fun thing to do. And so I had to train myself to put the book down when I got that little itch and then open the, the document and start writing. And so that helped me write uh, the draft of The Death of Us, the fastest of any of my drafts. I wrote it oh, in wow. five months. Wow. Is the fastest I've ever written a first draft ever. Wow. Yeah. So I owe a, a co-writing credit to Anne Lamont. I love the way that you said that. Except I ran out. I ran out of Anne Lamont, so I had to like go to the shelf and get like, what's next? George Saunders or, you know, whoever. (laughs) I loved that. They're like reading that when you said you get that little itch to write. And I was like, oh yeah, I get that. (laughs) Really cool. So is there a specific passage or tip that's really helped you or not to put you on the spot? I mean, if you can't think yeah. Right. yeah, what's your um, secret? We want to know. It's like when someone says, what are you reading? And I'm like, I've never read a book, obviously. Like, I've uh, never heard. What, my what mind is, is a complete blank. <laughs> um, I really, I really enjoy, so she talks about, can I say shitty first drafts? Shitty first drafts, yes. which is my favorite thing I to do. pull out of there, except that that's not how I write. Hmm. I, oh. I mean, I would tell anybody to, you know, to follow her advice and just write and get it out. But that's not actually how I write. I, I usually have pretty clean drafts, which is its own problem, because if it looks clean, if it feels clean, you might actually have to break it to make uh, it better right. instead of yeah. like having these like gorgeous sentences. But it may not be the right sentence. Right. So, yeah, um, I have found that to be uh, a problem. But I also like her. It's her radio station name or it's like KFKD or something like that. I don't want to, I'm not going to say that one, but um, it, it's like the, the radio, the radio station, the, the internal editor that's always playing in our heads, like how to turn that off. When she talks about that, I, I absolutely am with her. I definitely have that internal editor asking me, is this the book you should be writing right now? Is this the best story for you to be telling? You know, should you be writing a historical World War II British book, Lori? That was my last one. You know, that kind of uh, internal uh, monologue that I'm, I'm hoping we all know about. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I don't think you're alone. No, I never do that. I'm like, you're a genius, and this is the exact thing good for you. Every sure. Time. I mean, pearls of wisdom. Dripping from my fingertips. Just <laughs> dropping from my fingers. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, are there any other books on craft that you would recommend besides Anne Lamott? Sure. Um, I saw someone in the comments mention Stephen King's On Writing. I'm a big fan of that book. Um, mm-hmm. I used to read him when I was a kid, more than I do now. But uh, But it was like talking to an old friend. His voice is so strong. It was uh, really great to get back into that. 
I also read for the first time George Saunders. I mentioned uh, a swim in the pond in the rain, which you have to get through some classic Russian short stories before you get to him talking about why you should read classic Russian short stories. But um, I ended up really enjoying that book far more than I, I realized I would. I also read, um, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. So one of the other ones I go back to a lot is um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Ooh, I love that book so much. And it's not its not really a craft book. It's not going to tell you how to write a story, but it's going to make you feel a lot better about your desire to write a story and, or wow. whatever you know creative act that you're thinking about uh, taking part in. It just reassures you that you're absolutely allowed to be a creative person and, and how to stay with that instead of letting um, yourself talk you out of it or life. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, great, great tips. And, and you're making me want to pick up all those books and kind of get re-inspired. And then write. I, I mean, it's a great idea. I've never thought of doing that before. Like reading those things as a way to propel yourself into your own writing each day. I think that's fantastic. So Lori, you and I have something else in common. Um, we were talking about this backstage. We are both breast cancer survivors, both relatively recent breast cancer survivors. And in fact, you were telling us that you wrote this book while you were in treatment for breast cancer, which I have to say for anyone out there who does not appreciate how difficult that is, um, I was not able to write Lori during my breast cancer uh, treatment. I, um, I, I did other work. I remained busy. I worked every day, but I could not get up and put stories on the page in the same way. So I am um, in, in awe of you that you were able to do that. Can you talk a little bit about that journey, what it was like for you and maybe how it impacted this book? Sure. Yeah. And I actually understand completely that you were not able to write during treatment. I, I had a hard time writing during treatment. I think um, I was not very nice to myself at times. Like I, I thought, especially after I was done with what I would consider the hardest part of my treatment and I still was having trouble uh, writing, I was I was not very patient with myself. Yeah. Um, so anyone who's going through a hard time, I would say it's okay to be patient with yourself. Yeah. Be nicer to yourself than I was to myself. Um, but the thing about writing for me was that it's always the thing that has made me feel like myself yeah. and oh. cancer treatment, at least the one I went through. And I, I think probably the one that most people go through, it really does break you. It literally breaks you down. It's really yeah. literally taking your cells and breaking you apart at the seams. And it's so hard to feel like, um, you know, that you're just yourself that you you feel like someone you're just like part of this machine all of a sudden and so i had decided i'm not going to let cancer have this book i'm 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 going to write a book that's what i'm going to do so i had started a different book this is this is the part where failure comes <laughs> i had started a different book and it was a little it was a little lighter a little funnier um, and it was fun to do, but I got to the moment, and actually my, my editor, my publisher uh, offered to buy the book I was working on. That's how much of it I had. I had 50 pages and they said, yeah, we'd love to have this. Um, wow. And I was having a conversation with her about it. And I just, there was something about it that I just made me realize it was not the book I wanted to write right now. And I think it was because it was lighter. Yep. I and I was that. not in that place. 
<laughs> I was not going to be able to write a lighter, funnier uh, story, mm-hmm. even though that might have felt better, right? You know, yeah. it just wasn't going to work. And so I, I asked her if I could send her a couple more ideas. And so I sent her two more ideas, and she showed the most interest in the one about a submerged car. And I'm like, great, dark story. Here we go. I'm ready. I'm <laughs> this, I <laughs> this I can do. This I can do. But the, the writing itself, um, I w- it was mostly stubbornness, to yeah, be honest. Awesome. I, I didn't, and I didn't write a lot. I had to wait until I was done with the hardest part. And then I started to um, come back to it and, and then work really quickly. That is incredible. I, I really, honestly, I felt like chemo scrambled my brain and then, and then ra- radiation was hard to write through because you were still kind of coming yeah. back from the chemo and it was exhausting. Yeah. And, yeah. It definitely scrambled my brain. And you know what it took? Yeah. Um, I thought I was just, I thought I was back. Yeah. I was being hard on myself again. And then I re- one day I realized, oh, now I'm back. I can actually think again. Yes. And so then it went fast from there, but um, it was important to me, I think, just to, it was the thing I had, you know. Do you think, that Lori, it, that, well, that's amazing. Do, do you think, Lori, that um, going through what you went through and especially learning what you were capable of doing, that you were capable of fighting something like that and summoning all that inner strength, do you think it changed you as a person and as a writer? Did it, did it affect how it, how and who you are as a writer going forward, do you think? Yeah. I don't know that I know all the ways in which it has affected me. And you probably know exactly what I mean. Like, I feel like I, it comes in waves. It, yeah. you know, I change my mind daily how I feel about things. And I really don't want to do the whole, um, you know, I fought through girl power. I, it, that's <laughs> not who I am. I'm more like, <laughs> I needed it because it's all I had. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I... I definitely feel like I learned something about myself as a writer by going through it and by going through breast cancer period. Now, whether I wrote a book or not, I learned that I could get through, well, actually I taught myself through writing. Um, the book I, I did before this one, Death at Greenway was a historical said World War II in England. And it was, it was not a project that I took lightly. It was a project I, I had an idea for and thought somebody else has to write this book. This is not for me. I am not going to be, I'm not a historian. I'm not a, I'm not even like research that much ladies. Um, and I'm not British obviously. So I thought somebody else is going to do this book and I can't wait to read it. And then nobody, nobody had, that was surprising to me to begin with. And then nobody did. So I finally started doing it. Um, trying to write it. And I I went through the wars. I really, really did with that book. And I actually rewrote it from the ground up twice. Wow. Um, and by doing that project, I taught myself, and this would have been in 2020 is when I was writing it uh, all over again during the pandemic, I taught myself that I could get through hard things. And so mm. maybe that is what um, drove me to write even when I was going through That's the awesome. worst hard thing there mm. is I that I could I got I got through that one that means I can I can try at least and just see how things go That's incredible Since it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month we're still in October do you have a message for our uh, our viewers out there Well I know at least one viewer uh, I saw earlier is a breast cancer survivor as well so breast cancer survivors um, hang in there I know it's it's not 
it doesn't seem like it's ever over over is the problem mm-hmm. it, it it's hard to know when to celebrate you know yeah. um and then of course not everybody gets to celebrate that is an important thing to remember but everybody uh go get your mammograms i got mine delayed uh, my friend ann cleaves if you don't know Anne Cleves, she's a fantastic mystery writer who is a cancer survivor and her daughter was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and we were talking about that by email. And I said, well, I'm about five months overdue for mine, but in honor of your daughter, I am going to uh, schedule oh, my boy. mammogram. So Anne Cleves saved my life. That's why oh, the book boy. Death of Us is um, oh, dedicated wow. to her. Anne yeah. Cleves, what's the book she wrote? It was yellow. It was something about a B. <laughs> No, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's yellow. She has. Uh, she does the Vera series and okay. the Shetland series, oh. and the uh, Matthew then the True Reverse series. They're they're all turned into TV shows, British TV, the best oh. British crime TV there is, and they're fantastic books as well. Wow! Now everybody's going to be off on a on a jag to read Anne Cleves. That's right, and also yeah. also well, to get their mammograms. Her. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yeah, bring an Anne Cleves book to your mammogram. All right, so shifting gears slightly, um, Lori, as we said in the introduction, you're a past president of Sisters in Crime and a co-chair of the Midwest Mystery Conference. So in other words, as we like to say, you're a good literary citizen. So mm-hmm. can you tell us what being so entrenched in the writerly community in this way has meant to you in your career and if these organizations have impacted your writing? Oh, they've definitely impacted my writing and my life. Um, so I I have to back up and tell you that I didn't uh, start out as a crime writer. I didn't uh, get anywhere that I have gone, have been in a direct manner. I um, had to be told that a short story I had written was probably a novel, keep writing. Um, yeah. And then suddenly the that, short, that piece is being read by somebody who's like, I think it's a crime book. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, I need to figure out what that looks like. And uh, I sort of wandered into what we call the mystery community, which is just, you know, it's a bunch of writers and readers and, um, and editors and professionals, uh, like publishing professionals. And, but mostly it's people who love crime fiction to read. And, so they have their own conferences and they have, their, you'll find a lot of the genres have their own conferences. They have their own associations. Um, so I sort of wandered in not knowing uh, what to do and, and where to go. And it was so welcoming. Everybody that I met was absolutely welcoming. Uh, there was no sense of uh, competition. Um, and I wandered into my very first meeting of Mystery Writers of America, which is the first one I think I joined. And I became their newsletter editor at the end of the meeting, my first meeting, Um, (laughs) because it was the sort of thing I did. I did newsletters for my day job. So I know how to do that. I can help out. Look, I can Um, do this. Yeah. (laughs) I can can help. Sure. And then uh, at my second meeting the next month, um, they had lost the secretary of the board. And so my friend who I had just met and had said, oh, go join all these things and we'll show you what to do. uh, She was vice president i think at the time and she said well you know do you want to be the secretary of the board and like like take notes yeah oh, sure okay so i did that <laughs> and thus began uh 12 years of volunteering oh, for God. two separate organizations one wow. kind of membership of at the same time and then uh, volunteering on the national board uh one after the other 
Um, I just, I've gotten so much out of being a member of both these organizations. Uh, the organizations are Mystery Writers of America and then Sisters in Crime. Um, and both of them are just very valuable in, I mean, as a person who's trying to figure out who I am, valuable for that. But also, you know, when it was time for me to think about um, how to submit to agents, there was information. There were people a couple of steps ahead of me who were willing to point me in the right direction. And in fact, I got my agent uh, referral from somebody in one of the groups. So uh, the agent I still work with. Um, so, you know, and when there was a, a contest for, um, you know, a debut novelist, you know, there, there were resources that I could turn to and, and people saying, over here, Lori, over here. And so all these people definitely saved me so much time pointing me in the right direction at the right time. And then also, it's such a great place to find people who are just the same kind of nerd that you are. Um, <laughs> you know, when I, when I say, oh, there must be a lot of dead bodies and bodies of water, those people do not blink. They are definitely <laughs> um, the same kind of nerd that I am. So it's been really fun as well as professionally uh, just energizing and helpful. And I think by getting involved, not just joining, not just sending a check-in, but getting involved, helping out, I got known much more quickly within the community than I would have normally. Oh, that's so great. That's some great. of that early success for my first book, I think uh, I owe to that sort of engagement. Oh, we got some sync members in the, in the chat. Hi, I met, I met my um, agent. Um, I, I got put on the board um, of sisters in crime and they did one and only one um, writer's workshop. And I got nominated to, ask editors and agents to come to Houston in August. Oh, <laughs> how pleasant. Thereby making me very popular. <laughs> yeah, no one would come. My my editor at the time, Darling Eamon Dolan at Harper, out of pity for me, he came. And I had, this was back when you wrote letters, you know, and I wrote letters to all these agents. And this one guy um, was like, yeah, I'll come if you pay my way. And I'm like, well, who does he think he is? And... Um, <laughs> But the board said, of course, we'll pay his way. Tell him. Yes. And um, he came and I was assigned to sit at the table, dinner table with him and with my editor. And um, a year later, I needed a new agent. And he's been my agent for 22 years, I think. That's amazing. amazing. I didn't know that story. <laughs> I didn't either. How did amazing. I know that? I met Stuart at a, at a Sisters in Crime, the one and only writers uh workshop that we that i as far as i know that we ever did and then some of my longest term writer buddies um from sisters in crime yeah wow oh, I love that. well sisters in crime if i can do a quick uh, update is a very vibrant community now i'm not i'm not on the board anymore i'm uh not a volunteer for them any longer but um i'm just a member and a, a satisfied one they do a lot of webinars online they do a lot of like they'll do a lot of stuff for Nan, uh, National Novel Writing Month in November. They do have a lot of resources for writers at all stage of their journey. Yeah, I think one of the best pieces of advice I always give to writers um, who are trying to break into the business is if you're writing genre fiction, see if you can find a, a genre writers group because they are so welcoming and they know the folks you need to know. That's great. They do. Um, to go back, the book I was thinking of was by Chris Cleave, not Ann Cleaves. I'm sorry about that. Uh, 
<laughs> if anyone hasn't read The Little Bee by Chris Cleave, though, it's an excellent book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can also take that to your mammogram. Well, we're not yeah, take that, to take that one. <laughs> okay. We've got one last question for Lori. But first, we want to remind all of you out there to head over to friendsandfiction.com to find out more about our podcast, to sign up for our newsletter, which includes exclusive Q&As with our guests like Lori and which always covers more than we can get to on the show. Subscribing is totally free, as is subscribing to our podcast. So make sure you're signed up for both at friendsandfiction.com. Now, Lori, where can our viewers find you on the road and online in the coming weeks? You and your dog. <laughs> My dog stays home. <laughs> um he doesn't have He'd a bookstore. He'd be very cute on the road, but <laughs> mm, I don't. Mm, I, I don't think. I don't think the bookstores would be interested in that. Um, I'm heading to uh, Indianapolis this weekend. I'm teaching for the Sisters in Crime Speed City um, group and in person, and then I'm also doing an event at the bookstore there, MacArthur's in Carmel, Indiana. And um, I'm almost. I'm winding down the the actual events uh, for the book launch and usually I'll just go back to my social media life. I'm on Facebook at Lori Raider Day Books. That's my author page. And then I'm on, uh, I'm, I'm still on Twitter, whatever it's called, uh, <laughs> limping along. Uh, I just, I, I like it. And then um, Instagram, Instagram is where I'm hanging out and that's Lori Raider Day. No Perfect. Awesome. All right. Awesome. To all of you out there, please make sure to check out The Death of Us out now and available, of course, at a discount at, in the friendsandfictionbookshop.org shop. So thank you so much for being with us today, Lori. We loved, uh, we just love getting to know you and talking to you. And uh, we hope our readers will rush out and pick up your brand new book right now. <laughs> thank you. Thanks Lori. so much for having me. This has been really fun. We loved having you. We loved yeah. having you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good night. Right, all right, everyone. Don't forget, you can find all our back episodes on YouTube. We'll be back next week to welcome Angie Kim, author of the instant New York Times bestseller and GMA book club pick, Happiness Falls. We have such a fun episode in store for you, and we can't wait. So thanks for being with us. We'll have a brief after show tonight if you'd like to stick around for a few minutes, and then we'll be back next week with more fun. Have a wonderful week, everyone. That was fun. She it was, was great. She was lovely. Yeah. It's funny. She likes the same parts of um, Bird by Bird that I love. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Shitty first drafts is kind of my. Yeah. I should not say this out loud, but I haven't read it. I want to read it. Do you know what's even worse is that I'm not sure I've ever read a book on novel writing. I think I've said that on the show before. <laughs> oh, wow. And I think really? I need to like maybe get on that. It's a, good thing, it's a good thing you do have pearls of wisdom coming out of your fingertips. That's, yeah. it's, it's, you just skipped that whole step. I love I it. I think I'm such an overthinker. Like when I think yeah. I'm afraid that I'll be like, oh, I have to do this now, or I'm doing this wrong, or I'll be like, yeah, and we yeah. can't like write because, you know, it's not how Stephen King says or whatever. No, I read them, but then I think to myself, I, I can't do it that way. And then I go back to doing it the way I've been doing it since since I started. So I guess maybe it just gives me hope that I can do it. But I do love big magic. I did read that. I love that. I love that idea of like universal consciousness and like that idea. 
came for you. Well, you guys know I was planning on writing something completely different. And then that one day I was like, oh my God, like this is the book I'm supposed to start today. And y'all were like, go do it. Cause y'all are crazy. Like I I was like, someone else is going to write this book. (laughs) And then you did it in like two seconds while we all are still struggling along with our first drafts. (laughs) Okay. We've got Halloween coming up next Tuesday. Um, Kristen and Christy, what are the boys going to be? Noah is going to be, uh, he is obsessed with this video game called Rainbow Friends, which we probably should not be letting him play. Like, let's just be honest. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's bad parenting on my part. Um, but there's, uh, the characters are named after the colors of the rainbow. So he's being one of the Rainbow Friends. He's green. Rainbow Friend green. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I love that. Well, look up Rainbow Friends and maybe you won't like it so much. <laughs> So we just have, it's so long between now and Halloween that obviously Will has not decided what he's going to do. Or more like everything he suggested. I'm like, no, you're not being that. And he's like, but we, we all want to be like, and I'm like, no, you're not. Dressed. No, that's not he's 12, you know? So he's in that weird, like. Yeah, yeah that's the same way as Griffin. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of that, like, and I will say the fun thing about Beaufort is, Halloween is such a massive production that like, even if you're kind of in that, like, Oh, am I still trick or treating? Am I not? You still want to go like cruise around town with your friends. Cause there are like so many, so I'm sure he'll dress up as something last minute, but I think it'll probably be something like, you know, there's like sumo wrestler costumes or something yeah. like, oh, yeah. he's not going to be like something cute. Oh, the like I inflatable I, ones. I, what? The like inflatable ones. Yeah. Like the inflatable yeah. ones. That's what I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying to talk Big Will into dressing up as Luke and Lorelai from the Gilmore Girls. And he's like, oh, no one's going to know what that is. They're just going to think that you're in like a weird like jean shorts and cowboy boots and I'm wearing a flannel <laughs> shirt and a backwards baseball cap. And I'm like, no, everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to know. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, Mary Kay, um, are, uh, are uh, Molly and Griffin dressing up? Uh, Griffin has not told us what he's going to do yet. This makes me feel better. Yeah. (laughs) um, You know, and it's a big thing in our little town too. I mean, we have a decorating contest and people go all out and Tom and I fix chili and our neighborhood is sort of like a roving cocktail party. So parents, you know, are walking around with the kids and, you know, oh yes, here is some bourbon for you. And here's some candy for your kid. Um, (laughs) So I don't know what they're doing. I've been on the road so much. I'll get home Saturday. Um, and then Halloween is Tuesday night. So uh, I guess that's to be determined. Hey, Meg. Yeah. Uh, what's Jack going to be for Halloween? You know, <clears throat> I don't know because he's away at college. But I, I, sometimes <laughs> I don't want to know what these kids are doing at college. Yeah. But I, I thought I heard him say something about dressing up with his friends as like, the Mario Brothers, which is fine. Oh, that's great. That's cute. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Grace is kind of my favorite because, you know, how every girl who's in like high school or college does the like the slutty version of whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last year she dressed up as Captain Underpants and I wanted to just hug her so hard. <laughs> that oh my that is amazing. How did I not see a picture of this? Oh, this is yeah. amazing. so funny. Hair what she looks like, and she just leaned into it, and it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I don't know. I 
Halloween's Dave's birthday, so it's always a little interesting. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. 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 One, tell them about the year you guys went. My favorite year was when you went. Who did you go as? Ooh, which one? Um, oh, we have so many. See, my, my my business partner's wife was also born on Halloween, and they have the best Halloween party every year. Her name is Polly, and so their party is called Pollyween, and the <laughs> costumes are just off the charts fantastic. And the first year we went, we didn't get the memo. And then I came home and I said, we are never not going to that party again with like a top-notch costume. <laughs> and I think the next year was when we went as Snooky in the situation. That's from- what I was thinking of. <laughs> the Jersey That's Shore. What I was thinking of. Yeah, the Jersey Shore, um, Snooky and whatever. That's yeah. We also had a great year where we were um, Day of the Dead. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Sugar Skulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And That's we had amazing. our makeup professionally done. And then we dressed up. He was Ooh. in a tux. And I was in like a like a formal black evening gown and with the flower crown it was just very good i'll wow. see if i can dig up some photos awesome. of both of those gems I need to see <laughs> wow um you know i back when i was writing straight mystery um i used to send it way back send out a postcard saying here's my signings to my mailing list and i because i like to dress up in costumes i would you know have everyone had a costume and so one year for um I did a Halloween book and it's called, uh, oh, it's called Homemade Sin. And it's set at Halloween. And I had the most amazing witch's costume made. I can no longer get into it, but I have it. And so in in other years, people have borrowed it. And, you know, there's a chance Molly may put it on this year. Oh, but, awesome. I love to play dress up, still do. Okay, y'all have to hear how cute this is. So I was having my hair cut today. And one of the hairdressers was saying she has a new baby. And she said that like, as a thing, like in the, you know, salon, they're all dressing up like a different kind of Barbie, but she has a new baby. And so her baby's going to be a shrimp and he's going to be shrimp on the Barbie. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's hilarious. That is so clever. (laughs) Yeah, My my son, Jack, senior year in high school, his girl, he and his girlfriend, they kind of do look like Barbie and Ken. And this is well before they were before their time because yeah. yeah well before the barbie movie but they dressed up as barbie and ken and it was awesome. perfect <laughs> well that's, that's a that's sweet. a good way to close the show oh we should have <laughs> people to post post their uh bookish yeah. halloween oh i like it yeah. yeah 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 definitely if you're out there post a picture on the friends and fiction page of your halloween of your bookish halloween costume well, i don't think i've ever had a bookish one have you guys done bookish ones before you know, Noah has a day at school every year. So this year it'll be actually on Halloween where um, uh, they have to dress up oh, like a, a character from yeah. a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so like we're that. trying to come up with something right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I lied. I lied. My book club did it one year. We had to come oh, yeah? dressed as our favorite. And I went dressed as the cover of um, Where'd You Go Bernadette? <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. So yeah. Well, I mean, dress up as Britney Spears. There you go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Take your shirt off. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I saw, yeah. Like just to walk around like this. That'd be great. That's really me. Yeah. <laughs> One year, Andy and his buddy in pre in elementary school, um, their school also had book character day. And um, I made them Tweedledee and Tweedledum costumes. And I have to awesome. say they were pretty precious. That's oh, amazing. That's yeah. That's awesome. All right, everybody. Um, show us your pictures on the Facebook page and we will see you next week, next Wednesday. Okay. See you next week. Good night, everything. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube 
where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.